Hello and welcome to this episode of the coaching podcast from British Canoeing. Welcome to the British Canoeing Coaching Podcast. My name is Sid Sinfield and I'm the performance coach developer within British Canoeing's World Class Programme. The World Class Programme is focused on the Olympic and Paralympic disciplines of slalom, sprint and para canoe racing. In this series of podcasts, I'll be in conversation with various coaches from the British Canoeing World Class Programme. I'll be looking to get behind the titles to find out about their individual pathways into their current role. How did they start in paddle sport? What was their journey to be a coach on the World Class Programme? So I hope you enjoy this series. Right then, so welcome to this edition of the Coaching Podcast, and today I'm joined by Natalie Segrist. So uh, if we could start, Natalie, with a, a little bit about who you are, what you do. Um, well, I'm Natalie Segrist. I come from Switzerland. I've just moved to the UK to take on the role of lead academy coach at Slee Valley. That's within the Slalom programme, yeah? Indeed, yes. yes. Oh, okay. So, uh, so you've, you've literally been in the role um, two months, is that nearly two months? Yeah, not quite, but yes. <laughs> yeah, um, okay. Yes. So, so it's... Uh, Lee Valley and London. Yeah, yeah. It's been uh, an, an eventful move uh, with COVID and Brexit, and, and, um, but um, I'm all settled now and uh, I'm okay. loving it. So um, just for the, for the people who aren't um, as familiar as we are with the World Class Programme, what's the, what's the role of the Academy Programme? Where does that fit in in the, in the grand scheme of things for Slalom? Well, it is within the World Class Programme, but it's like the, the step just before the, the podium uh, group. So we're preparing the athletes for, for the senior team, basically. So okay. a lot, most of the athletes in, in the academy are under 23s or, or even younger sometimes, yes. Okay, so that, the transition in between talent and, and, and podium. Okay, so, um, so in this kind of series, we're hoping to explore how you ended up where you are. <laughs> so, so it's a, um, a little bit, a little bit of a, a personal journey and then a coaching journey as well. So um, were you a paddler at the beginning? Is, is that how you started or, or so how did you start? What, what, what? Yeah. Yeah. Where did it all well, start? Oh, it started very early. My parents um, started paddling as my mum was pregnant with me. So my first river, <laughs> river run was uh, uh, in my mum's belly. Okay. <laughs> and then I spent, and they loved it. They loved paddling down rivers and, and building boats back then. It was, you know, a different story, of course. And um, so I spent my childhood basically sitting on the riverbank playing with rocks and um, watching my parents paddle. And they did try and buy me a boat when I was, I think, seven. And I just didn't like it at all. I, I, I hated it. Okay. So <laughs> they gave up. They said, well, you can do any sport you really like. Um, it's not up to us to choose for you. So I chose uh, skiing. So I was a skier for, for a few years. But um, yeah, at some point, I think I was, I was still interested in trying uh, canoeing. So when I was 10, I think I, I asked to try again. And there was a group in our club of other kids my age, so so that was a lot easier then. And I I started uh, loving uh, the feeling, the gliding on the water and being outside. So yeah, so I started uh, pedaling properly then. At okay, age and, 10. 
And what, what sort of, were these kayaks? Was it kayaks and canoes or, or just canoe, kayaks? What sort of? Well, I started right away with a slalom boat. Oh, okay. uh, I think I, I was allowed to use my mum's slalom boat, I think. <laughs> and then, and then we did a lot of river runs as well. So we had those plastic boats, but back then, I mean, gosh, the, yeah, <laughs> the shapes of those, they were long and heavy. Yeah. And, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so basically uh, my father was the coach in our club. So it was very easy for me to just, uh, just join every, every, River run every training session, so I did a lot of pedaling. Uh, so, so despite on. despite um, re rejecting it early, that you then yeah. found, found the love yeah. for it. What, what yeah, was yeah. it? What was it that you, you think really attracted you to to paddling? What is it that you like about it? Oh, I think I liked being outside, mm -hmm. and and back then because of all the river runs, I think nature was a big part of it. And then the other thing is uh, being in a group, like you're still, it's an individual sport, so you can do your moves, but you're still in a group. I liked that mm -hmm. combination, I think. The kind of social um, part. Yeah, I'm a single child. So for me, it was like having brothers and sisters or, or friends to, to do something with, but you can still um, drive your own, your own canoe. So that I like yeah, yeah. that. And did, did you... And where did the slalom go? Did the slalom did, is that somewhere that you that you went to compete and 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 you know where where did that take you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think I started right in my first season of paddling. We already did paddle one or two flat water slaloms for for kiddies, and uh, also a bit of downriver. Uh, we did both back then. It was okay. common to do both slalom and, and most races were a combination of races. So downriver on the Saturday, slalom on the Sunday. And that went on, I think, all the way until under 16. I think I still raced downriver as well. Okay. Yeah. Is, is, is slalom a big, big thing in Switzerland? I mean, <laughs> is, is, in terms of, you know, you're talking there about it, it was... Were they, were they the same sort of people you were against most of the time? Did you know most of the people in the slalom? Yeah, it, it was really small. Canoeing is very small and slalom tiny. So okay. So yeah. Oh, cool. Um, so it's it was always the same people at the races. We we knew everyone, and yeah, it was good. It was like a having a bigger family. Was there any any standout memories for you as a paddler? You know, any any key key trips that you look back on and say that was really good or that was I yeah. mean, that had a big impact on me. Well, in terms of racing, I think I really uh, liked racing in Lipno. That's in the Czech Republic. That's a natural course and it's quite impressive. And uh, I raced there in '95, and I think that that was one of my my nicest memories of a race. It was really nice to race in a place like that. Uh, big rocks, uh, quite big water. Yeah, I think I liked it. And I was quite proud to be to be able to pedal that course because oh, I'm a I'm a very frightened peddler. I'm afraid of waves <laughs> and stoppers. So I was quite proud to have done that one, I think. Okay. And and in terms of river runs, I pedaled the Verdon, which is one of those mm -hmm. massive gorges in France when I was 16. And I and I think it was a bad idea for me to do that one. When oh, I was okay. 16. I had a I had a really bad incident uh, almost at the at the end. I, I swam through a 
is it called a siphon in, in yeah. English as yeah, well? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that was not nice. I could have, it could have ended really badly, but I was oh, lucky okay. enough to come out the other end. Mm -hmm. So yeah, but that that has impacted my my the future. Of, yeah, because mm -hmm. after that, I was already frightened before that, but after mm -hmm. that, I was really, really always afraid oh, of it, white yeah. water. It's so a shame because it's such a beautiful yeah. river. I've paddled the river. Yeah. It's, it's a stunning, stunning trip. It's a, a, an awesome one with the dam released, uh, isn't it? It, it? The water's turned on. Yeah. And you get to go through that stunning gorge, and there's some um, some really nice rapids. There, there are a few dead ends. I mean, you you obviously found one of them. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, it's yeah. normally not like that, but there was more water than than oh, okay. what they had planned to release, and so it became a siphon. And yeah, and so everybody had to climb over the rock to go over it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, we were quite a big group and I was the last one being, you know, being a little bit yeah, fearful, yeah, bit, I was behind and I arrived and there was no room to park there for me. And then I got stuck on the rock and sucked under. Ooh. Yeah. yeah, that was not nice. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, okay. so I guess, but you know, I guess this incident and my fear of white water has actually accelerated my change from being a paddler to being a coach. Oh, okay. And I think I was a decent paddler, but I would never have been an, a, a great paddler. Uh, and I think I'm a much better coach than I ever would have been an, an athlete. So I'm very oh. happy with where I'm at now. So just before we go on to coaching, do you still find time to paddle or, or do, you, do you have other sports that you now? Well, I still I still do a lot of skiing, so okay. obviously not here. Where, well, <laughs> this winter is not the best one for skiing, but but yes, um, uh, over Christmas uh, for me it's always two weeks of, of skiing. So I did that this year as well, and um, yeah, that's still big on my list. And I do a lot of mountain biking, okay. um, and I would like to to pedal a bit more. I still have a boat. So yeah. oh, okay, we'll. we'll... We'll try. I'll, I'll, I'll try and get you to come out. We'll take you paddling in, in some, of the, some of the friendlier, nicer places. In <laughs> a pretty good knowledge of, of the paddling in Britain. Um, right then. So, how about your coaching journey then? So, where, where did this? Where did this start? When? Where did you? And where did you get into coaching? What was the draw to coaching, and, and how did it start? Well, maybe I have to go one step back even um, before I knew or wanted to be a coach. I've, since I can talk, I've always wanted to be a teacher. And uh, so I guess that that is part of, yeah, part of me already. And my dad was a teacher as well. And um, he would coach in the club. He would coach the Wednesday afternoons because kids have got an afternoon off at school. And he mm -hmm. was the only one not working then being a teacher. So he would coach the Wednesday afternoons. And when I was a bit older, I guess 15 or so, he would take me with him to help coach the little kiddies. Mm -hmm. So so I started very early. And for me, it was just helping out at first, but I really liked it. So, mm -hmm. and once it was clearer that my path was not really going where I wanted it to go as an athlete, I was already coaching on the side. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was, it was really clear that I, I really liked coaching a lot more than I liked being an athlete so oh, okay. so the change came quite early I think at 18 I was already coaching in my club 
more than just helping out. And, and when you say in saying the club, is this still slalom? Was this slalom? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then at at twenty, I think I completely stopped pedaling, and then dedicated all my time to coaching. Uh, I was still a student then, so yeah, I'd coach in the evenings, <laughs> and then uh, I think at twenty three or twenty two, um, Swiss Canoe asked me to to come and assist for, for the international trips. So I became assistant coach uh, at 22, yeah. Oh, okay, and that's part of the Swiss program. Yeah. yeah, and then I took over the junior junior team um, a couple of years after that, and then I did 12 years with the juniors altogether, and then another four with as a head coach, so senior team. And then another four as under twenty three coach, so okay. pretty much yeah, uh, yeah. went through all the all the different positions. Yeah. And and did that? So those transitions seem pretty smooth. It, were they? Did they feel pre pretty smooth? There was just the obvious <laughs> next step to, to to take on the the juniors and then to take on the older juniors and then to lead that program. And, mm -hmm. Yeah, on paper they do look very <laughs> logical, almost logical, uh, but actually it was not like that at all. It was a messy business. Um, I, I actually never wanted to leave the junior team. I really loved my work as a junior coach and I was a teacher on the side as well. So I could really balance the two. It was hard, but it mm -hmm. was really a very good combination. Uh, but um, I'm afraid to say um, they twisted my arm into taking the head coach position. Um, which was not a full-time position. So, and juggling that, doing all the World Cups, uh, senior worlds, senior Europeans, plus teaching on the side to be able to survive because it okay. was not a full-time position. That was really, really hard. I think those four years were the hardest um, in all my life as a coach. Just, just trying to get that life balance. Or yeah. trying to get any balance, time to... Yeah. 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 Okay. And uh, so, yeah, that was hard. And then... Yeah. Yeah, and then any, I moved any on kind to of the end of 23. Just before then, any, any kind of standout memories from that? You know, any of those early, early years, any kind of real standouts where you think, well, that, <laughs> I, remember, I remember that or my, that, that success or, you know. Well, you have to imagine, I, I was coach for Swiss Canoe for 21 years, so a lot of memories yeah, yeah. over the years. Mm -hmm. But I think um, definitely one of the, one of the, good memories was uh, when I was still uh, coaching the the juniors and I we would have a 12-seater a van. So I'd go alone with that 12-seater van, so 11 athletes and me mm -hmm. driving all the way to Bratislava. So that's about, uh, for us, a 13-hour drive. So I'd do that. And then we would be camping there at the course. So, uh, so... <laughs> I'd have to wake up in the morning around five, drive to the supermarket as the athletes were still sleeping in the tent, come back, prepare breakfast, and then coach all day. Uh, they would help with the cooking during the day, of course. Uh, but then, yeah, uh, so organize the food, the shopping. That was massive. And then we somehow we always managed to find a race there. So we'd race on the Sunday and then after the race, around four o'clock in the afternoon, back in the van, drive through the night and then Monday morning, make sure all the 
all the athletes could go to school and me as well. So I'd, I'd arrive at school for teaching, not having slept, but having coached and cooked and, and driven through the night. Uh, so yeah, so, but if I think about it, it's crazy. I would, I would never do that uh, nowadays. I would really not want to do that. But it was still a very, a very good moment in my life. I've really mm -hmm. loved those trips. Yeah. Cool. So um, it just uh, it's, that sounds like there's uh, quite a, a significant amount of coaching there. Is any any kind of key learnings that you've you've picked up over the years from your your time? Any any kind of what would you say has shaped you as a coach? Any any reflections in that area? Yes. Um, well, I think what has shaped me the most is uh, discovering. Um, action types approach and that's through our coaching education in Switzerland was mm -hmm. led by the founder of this approach and I, I got to know him very early on in my career so as I started as an assistant coach I was able to start that coaching education oh, okay. and dur during about four years um, we, we had a a whole bunch of professors and lecturers, etc. But he was definitely someone that has played a massive role on on where where I was and where I could go as a coach. Mm -hmm. And this approach I really like because it allows for it it allows room for the uniqueness of an athlete. And I like that. I like the idea that everybody is different and you should adapt to the athlete as mm -hmm. as that unique person and not just come with a, a list of okay this is what I want and this yeah. is how it's done so yeah this worked last time so it'll work this time <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so so I think that has shaped my whole my whole journey as a coach uh, as a coach and another thing is because I was a frightened peddler and uh I struggled a bit, even though I had the best uh, context possible with my father bringing me to all the races and et cetera. But because of that, I think it's given me the humility uh, that you need as a coach, you know, mm -hmm. to not think everything is easy and also that you know everything. No, I don't know everything. <laughs> so. Yeah. Okay, so just uh, we're, we're not going to drift into a, too much into coaching uh, 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 nitty gritty here. I'm just I just wanted to flag up. So that action types is, is the is the is the area that you, you spoke about there. So if anybody's listening, then they can um, they can they can do a bit of a Google search. They won't find a lot, but they'll find something. But um, may, maybe um, there's one we could do in a in a smaller um, podcast in the future, just to give them a bit more outline of what that might be. Um, but but they could always uh, search online and, and find out about action types. Um, so um, what what happened next then? So so what how how did you end up here <laughs> in in a world class program? What you sound like you were pretty settled in the in the Swiss program there and been there for twenty one years, is it? Yeah, twenty one years. But you know that's so that's the worst that can happen if you're too settled mm -hmm. and you're like I, I had the feeling that I was cooking the same soap over okay. and over again, just reheating things, you know. We were just doing, in the last two years in Switzerland, we were just reshaping, rethinking, 
our concept of how to to bring more people and like the pathway yeah um and it was my third time around to rethink that. Uh-huh. I had done one early on, one about in the middle of my career there, and then again, and I thought, I really have the feeling that I'm stuck in something and I'm hearing the same things again, just other people. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, everyone around me had changed <laughs> and, and they were bringing new ideas, but in the end, I had the feeling I'm stuck and I... It's not healthy as a coach if you feel like you're stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit dangerous because you are not renewing your way of thinking. And um, so, yeah, I needed to. I needed a new challenge. I thought if I'm gonna if I'm gonna continue, I'm still young, and if I'm gonna continue as a coach, I need a new challenge and I need a new horizon. So, mm-hmm. and and while I was thinking that. I saw I saw the positions uh, advertised and I applied. Well, cool. So we're we're, we're glad to have you. Um, so we're hoping uh, hoping you yeah, have some lots of success with us. Um, so just uh, I, as a karma coach myself, and I kind of think that most of my learning has come from making mistakes uh, and and I think uh, accepting that I'm going to make mistakes and and owning that is an inevitable part of, of growth as a coach. But Dare you share some of your mistakes that you've made over the years that, that have helped you in your development? You know, any anything, any mistakes that stand out? You think, oh, you know, is that? A, oh gosh, the list is very long. The list is very long, and I think um, I I make them all the time. Okay, but uh, I'm very reactive, so as soon as I notice that something's going wrong I will I will find a new solution I'm very pragmatic as well so uh, and I don't tend to dwell on those so I'm I try to look forward so I don't think I have a list of all my mistakes but Mm -hmm. I I know I make them and I know uh, I navigate and find new solutions all the time but I think I think that would be quite refreshing yeah can't one particular one Refreshing for some of the junior coaches to hear that, that, that you know, somebody who's on the world-class program, I make mistakes all the time. It's inevitable. Okay. It, it is it is human beings interacting with a very dynamic environment. So so I think that's that's a kind of refreshing bit is that we, we don't have all the answers, but we have a way uh, to think about we might approach to find those answers and, and making mistakes is kind of inevitable on, on that. Yeah, um, and I think the most mistakes I've made were linked to the way I managed my emotions in in moments of pressure and because I was working in an environment that was uh, really putting a lot of pressure on me, having a a part-time job as a head Mm -hmm. coach, that's a lot of pressure. So you end up being stuck in situations and not handling them really well. But like I said, I always try, okay, look back on it, find a solution, do better. And I think if you have that that idea of doing better the next time and finding ways to to change your your reaction or your behaviour in a certain situation, then you can move forward. So, so what is it about the the high performance environment, the the competitive environment that that, that attracts you? Because in, in the UK, we have our biggest group of coaches are, are are not operating in the competitive environment, you know. But what is it that you like? What is it about the the high performance? You know, the 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 
looking to be at the elite end of a sport what is it that attracts to you about that i like the idea that people want to be the best version of themselves and it's also what i would like to be for myself and i think high performance sport is really uh, goes in that direction people want to to try and be best possible version of themselves and i like that that uh, drive the working with pe people who are driven mm -hmm. so i think that's the main attraction so there's there's also that you are one of a, a very rare breed there's not many of female coaches in, <laughs> in high performance setting and certainly there's not many um uh, female coaches in high performance setting in the uk i mean there's there's yourself and christina are the, are the two that we have in the world-class program um so where uh, you know have you found that have you found being a um I don't know if that's the same in Switzerland, but how have you found being a, a female coach in, in that setting? Um, well, I don't want to lie, so hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, hard, but good. You know, it's it, um, like I stand out sometimes. So that's also, it can also be an advantage. Um, but no, it's, it's not been easy all the way. And uh, I still struggle for some things. Uh, it might sound a bit silly, but uh, pulling gait, uh, it's quite hard. Mm -hmm. I don't have as much strength as uh, my female colleagues, or I'm a bit shorter or whatever. But um, I think as soon as I'm really coaching, so um, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I need to make a point because I'm a woman. I mean, okay. I'm, I'm just a coach. Um, so, so the pioneering nature in terms of being being maybe the only woman in in the setup is the challenge but the actual interaction with the athletes is it, 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 that, that that's that non-gender specific is it yeah yeah exactly <laughs> if, you're, if you're a good coach and you interact with people then then you're more likely to, to, to connect and, and to get some results yeah well I do I do um, hope that um, female athletes and female um ex-athletes will see that it's possible mm -hmm. so I, I still hope to inspire a few that, that was going to be my my, my, my my question here that was really was is there, if there was somebody contemplating getting into the high performance coaching or, or or even competitive type of coaching is there any advice that you you could give them you know so those young retiring um female athletes that, that you're thinking about there any words of encouragement that, that you could give them that, that to to, to to get on that pathway <laughs> yeah well it's a fantastic job it's very varied uh it's both outside and inside and uh, it's it's challenging in a way that it's it's different every day there is a routine but every day there's a new challenge so and i think it's possible no matter what um that there are solutions. I was talking about the, the gates and the wires. Um, I've now <laughs> discussed it with my colleagues and I'm going to get a, um, a little stool or a step to, to be able to reach that. So there are solutions. You just need to, to be open and, and know yourself and know your strengths. And I'm, I might be struggling for the gates, but my, I've got other strengths. Mm -hmm. If you play with your strengths, it doesn't matter. Uh, you can you can be as good as good as anyone else. 
and I think in here in the UK, it's really feasible as a, as a woman because the the context of how how the structure works, uh, you you can still be a coach and also have a family life. It's realistic, mm-hmm. I think. Um, it's probably not the case in other federations, but I think here the way the way the job is done, I think it's really possible. Mm-hmm. I, 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 that's that's really refreshing to hear. I, I, I really um, I really want to encourage more female coaches in, into our programs. Um, so. <clears throat> Just, I just wanted to say back to you what, what I've heard there in terms of um, what I've taken on from, from you as from the time we've known each other as well, is that your openness to continual learning, is that is that an important part of being a successful coach, you think? You know, that that I don't know everything. I only know, <laughs> I only know so much. And there's yes. more I know, the more there is to know. <laughs> yes, well, the, I think the day that I'm not learning anymore, I will stop because... Uh, I'm a very curious person and I, I, I want to learn every day. I want to learn something new. So, so yeah, I think the day that I have the feeling that I'm not, like, like I was telling you about in Switzerland, I, was, I had that feeling suddenly that I was doing the same things all over again and not seeing any, any new, new things coming. And I needed a change. It's exactly that. I need that that's newness and, and yeah. So, so uh, just just then, uh, maybe my last question then. So, what's the um, what's the challenges coming up? So, so in terms of your athletes and the and the season ahead, you know, uh, hoping things things go to plan. What's what's the big what's on the horizon for your you and your athletes in this coming season? Well, I think the the first hurdle is getting back into racing. The athletes haven't been racing for a long, long time, so we'll see how that goes. Getting back into the race mode, and um, so that's probably the first challenge. The second challenge uh, will be—it will be my first season with them, so uh, I will need to to adapt to the, the situation. Of course, I'm getting to know the athletes as they are in the training environment. That's a very safe, safe place. So we'll yeah. see how that evolves um, in in race uh, environments. And then, of course, the the main main goal for the season, um, uh, we have the under 23 worlds uh, in Slovenia. And uh, about a month later, the under twenty three Europeans also in Slovenia. Okay. <laughs> so, so yeah, so those are the two main main things on the radar. So, so just 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 for for the, again for the people who aren't familiar, because I always forget about that. We know this world quite well. But how many athletes do you work with on a regular basis? What is your current training squad? Who is it that you're? You don't have to necessarily name them. But how, <laughs> no. How? <laughs> so. Um, in the academy, we have uh, 11 athletes at the moment and three coaches. So some coaches have four and I have three athletes to coach. So at the moment, I'm coaching one K1 men and two ladies who are both uh, doubling C1 and K1. So it's very interesting, very diverse. Yeah, yeah. Sounds, like, sounds, sounds very interesting, very challenging. Uh, and it'll keep you pretty busy. 
Well, thanks very much. I'm sure that the people listening in will be glad of the insight and uh, and and hopefully you've tempted some people to think about a career in the uh, in coaching slalom. That would be uh, really interesting.